wealthy experts, where we are bringing on experts in their field to help us build effectively a wealthy life. Welcome back to the Wealthy Experts podcast. I am Louis, and today have I got a treat for you all. Um, our guest is not only the 2019 winner of the UDIA New South Women, New South Wales Women in Leadership Award, the 2019 UDIA New South Wales Award for Excellence in Small Infield Development, the winner of the HIA New South Wales Housing Business Partner of the Year Award, the 2019 Top Women in Construction, Top 100 Women in Construction. She's a board and more reform advocate for women in property. She's the ambassador for the Australian Ballet, Marie Doyle, ladies and gentlemen. She is the co-founder of Fiducia Property and also the development director. Marie, how are you? I'm well, thanks. What an introduction. Thank I you. Know, I know. <laughs> I, I mean, I could have kept going 2016, 2015, 16, 17, 18. These awards just keep piling in for you, Marie. It's very generous. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure, Marie. Marie, uh, let's kick it right off. Obviously, we're all working from home. You look lovely as always. Talk to me about Thanks. you and Ben uh, working from home and how is the obviously proud mother of three. How's the home life set up at the moment? Well, you know what? It was actually nice to get up this morning and, and put a face on and put a jacket on and uh, and actually, you know, get face to face with you today on camera. So that's really great. But yeah, look, it's not every day doesn't look like this, that's for sure. So I think um, the whole working from home thing has definitely been a curveball for a lot of people. And as you said, um, yeah, we are we are working from home with three almost teenage daughters. Uh, so it's been really interesting. I think I think there's you know there's always two ways to look at everything. And whilst um, we're we're really grateful that our business is still continuing, I guess the biggest thing is that we are home with our with our kids and getting to spend time with them. Um, you know, I, I look back to last year's lockdown and it was quite different to what we're experiencing this year. There seems to be a lot more pressure, I think, this year with just the things that are going on and the restrictions and, and those types of things that have been evolving. Uh, whereas last year, it was almost a, a bit like a novelty and, um, you know, we didn't really know how long it was going to last. But I think uh, for me, I think one of the greatest things is, you know, starting a business and having a business so long ago and so early in the piece is, I never really took time off with my kids. Like I never had maternity mm. leave having your own business. You just don't do that. You know, it was to take the girls to all the site visits or they'd be on the floor at the office or whatever. So to actually get to spend time with them uh, and, you know, help them with their education and get to do all those things um, with them that I wouldn't normally get to do on a daily basis, I think is, is a bit of a blessing. But uh, we are grateful that we, you know, construction is continuing and we are back open now. Um, that's, de that's definitely a win for our industry and, and Ben and I uh, certainly, certainly uh, got a lot on our plate. So it's, uh, it's good. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's lovely to hear you're also enjoying the lockdown. I mean, we're, we're verging on day 100 soon. So, I mean, we've, we've probably gotten used to it so far. But some of you touched on just then you and Ben started your own business, Fiducia Property, in 2006, four. Four, 2004, okay. Fiducia Property began. Now, you and Ben, how did you both get into the industry? Uh, did you, um, for our viewers at home, I know your backstory. Uh, I, know, I know it well, and I know you well. But for everyone listening, how did you and Ben, Ben being your partner, firstly get into property, but at the same time, uh, find yourselves in, you know, in owning your own business? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so Ben actually started his property development journey quite early on in around um, 1998, 2000. 
And so he was actually mentored by a great friend and a great Australian property um, person here in Sydney. And so he really started his journey quite early and, um, and his, first, his first building was a, a block of, I think, 30 in Bellevue Hill. Um, and so that was his first building. And we were like the original block back then. So we would buy the old um, red brick buildings, the, you know, the six packs, the box of four, whatever it was, uh, and we would renovate them. So that's, that's how we started. So we've done over 72 projects now, individual projects um, throughout the last um, 15, 16, 17 years. And uh, but that's really where we sort of kicked off our journey. And I remember, you know, rolling walls till 2 a.m. pregnant some nights and you know, we used to get on the tools and, and, and those sorts of things. But, yeah, so we started our journey in the renovation space. Um, that was what we did. We used to buy blocks of apartments, buy them at wholesale, we used to say. Uh, we'd renovate, add value to them and then strata them down and sell them individually. Mm. So that was our model for a really long time. Um, and then obviously um, we grew Fiducia over, over the time and now we do a lot of small and medium density new build developments as well um, mm. and now moving into some of the larger things that we're doing, including a, a major master plan development um, up on the central coast. So, Which we'll touch on, which we'll touch on yeah, in a little bit. So it's been, um, it's been quite a journey and interestingly, Ben and I, um, you know, we, we have very different roles in our business. So... He's very much focused on, um, I guess, the big vision and the big picture for the for the projects and the the type of work that we do in our pipeline. I'm very granular. I like to get in there and uh, work on the acquisitions, work with the funding, the finance side of things. Also, I'm quite on the detail of the marketing and interior side of things as well. Which mm. so it's kind of good. Like I've got my um, creative passion, and I've also got my um, I guess my passion for numbers as well, mm, mm. Uh, but we have very distinct roles in what we do in the business, um, and we've obviously grown a team now as well over over that period of time. So it's not just Ben and I anymore. I was going to say, you're not, yeah, not to uh, just you two slaving away, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, it's. It sounds like I mean you both have a passion for not only development but you know plugging a hole where um, I believe in the Sydney market we probably the in in the history the the development. Uh, level is lacked on style to interior design and you know that boutique finish and I, I you know looking some of um for the viewers at home we can you can scroll through the the screen jenny will put up some photos now of some of the developments the harriet neutral bay which is ongoing the oak house uh in walsh bay the sea clavelli the grace and north bridge the victorian and mossman and obviously many many more but how did you forge your and also for any developer that's listening you know looking to get into the space how did you forge your style or where did you get your I guess, inspiration from obviously starting out, as you said, in those blocks of fours, box eights and doing the subs and, you know, very, very hands-on to now doing that uh, a more of a high class finish. Where did you, or where do you think you developed your style from and, and you got that inspiration over the, over the period from when, as you said, 1998 to 2004 or, or all the way up until now? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, I think it's two prongs. So, uh, one side of things is Ben and I love to travel. So we've always pulled inspiration from all the different places that we've been. We're massive fans of development as a whole and the industry and 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 just, I guess, design consciousness as well is one of those aspects of what we, re we really love. So um, I can't say that I'm, um, you know, responsible for all the creative uh, genius that comes out of our projects. We collaborate um, a lot with really, really talented interior designers, architects, we certainly hold the vision for what we want to achieve for that particular project. 
Um, but we definitely rely on our, our partners and our, our team mm. to bring that all together at the end of the day. The other thing we really look for is where, where the project is. And we like to draw cues from the actual surroundings in the community and, and what that looks like in situ in that particular um, project. So Seaquo Valley, for instance, it's an iconic building down near the beach at Quay Valley. It's got these beautiful big sweeping curves. Uh, and, you know, that is really about, you know, taking something that is iconic to the area and the way that the landscape of Quay Valley is and then creating that within that space. If I was to put that in North Sydney, it would look so out of place. Um, but, you know, likewise, we're building the Harriet at the moment and that takes some cues from the, the heritage and the Art Deco era of that particular um, community and of that particular region. And we've really used those throughout all of the marketing, throughout the design, throughout the interiors to actually bring that richness back to the project. Mm. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, when we're looking at a project, the design is definitely one of the things that we love to get right, but it's also how do we tell that story and how do we give back to the community and creating a landscape which is going to look good for, you know, all the years to come and it's not just you know, a, a block of apartments plumped in the middle of mm, summer. Mm, mm. Because you, uh, you, you mentioned Clavelli and, and you can see on that in the in the parts of the eastern suburbs and, you know, mainly you look at your, your Bondi's all the way down to Maroubra, that classic, as you said, the, the brick block of floor, um, yeah. the brick block of four. And then now the, these projects are starting to stand out. You, you see these boutique developments like yourself. And I'm not just saying this because, you know, we're, we're looking at each other right now, Marie, but I hold your developments in a very, very high regard. They're gorgeous finished and they always finish too you can you can't even tell between you know what is projected and what's really been established so it's a credit to fiducia um and you guys the team doing those now we touched on something before which i want to bring up because i i feel that this is going to be not only massive for uh fiducia itself but at the same time um you and ben's you know personal achievements you've got the tugra project in the central coast do you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah, so look, uh, the Tugra project is a, is a really exciting um, development. It's probably uh, the biggest project that we've taken on at Fiducia. Um, so it's a 16 hectare site and it's it's adjacent to the train station there in, uh, in Tugra. So what we're creating is a master plan for a transport orientated development, which is basically like a, a small city. So it's going to have a combination of um, different types of accommodation and living, so residential, um, some build to rent, there'll possibly be some, um, some social housing or disability housing as well from an affordability point of view. Um, there'll certainly be some, um, some light industrial type um, play in there. It's really going to be an activity hub, so a place where people can live, work and play long term. Uh, and it's about creating something, I think, on the central coast, which is now only an hour away by train and by um, North Connects. It's about creating something quite special and a bit of a destination. So we're also going to have a hotel there, um, a really large lagoon, um, outdoor green space. So it's, it's a really exciting opportunity to take all of the knowledge and all of the skill that we've gathered over the years of all these different smaller projects and really apply that to creating a really incredible community up there on the central coast and giving the um, giving that area something which is a bit of a legacy project. Mm. I mean, it, it's a it'll be a a, a landmark location now. You know, it's a it's, yes. it's 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 steering away from your traditional you know beautiful boutique um, small infill developments. What made you 
not only was it a, a, a market thing or was it a, an achieve? Like, where did you, uh, you, you and Ben, of course, and, and the team, how did the, the idea come to what? Like, how did it come to fruition? Where did it stem from? Yeah, so interestingly, it's actually a, a zoned as an industrial site. So we actually lodged for a DA approval. We actually solved a lot of the, the problems that were on the land. So there was a lot of issues to do with um, flooding and some other issues and things like that. So the land had actually sat dormant for quite a long time. So when we acquired the block of land, we went straight into basically resolving all of those issues, boarding all of our consultants, resolved it to be able to just build on it. And so we've got a DA approval at the moment for an industrial um, lot subdivision. Um, so that's approved and we've got the big tip of approval. For us, it's about how do we create highest and best use of anything we do? And so, you know, yes, we could do an incredible industrial subdivision there. It would be great. It would serve the needs of the market. But is it really what the community needs? So... You know, for us, it's always about looking, you know, what what can we create? You know, how can we push the boundaries? How can we innovate here to create something that's going to actually, um, you know, support the community and, and give something to an area which is growing? Um, a lot of the regional uh, planning and some of the new controls and things that are happening up there, up on the central coast, is all about creating these types of projects up there. So... For us, I think it would be a disservice to not go down this path. Um, truly, I think, you know, by just doing an industrial subdivision, it's a very vanilla tick the box. Mm. It's definitely a lot more work, but I also mm. think it's, um, I also think it's what, what they need up there. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right. In, in theory, that's, yeah, you, you couldn't have put it better yourself. It's, it's what they, it's probably most suited to what, you know, what's happening up there at the moment. We're seeing... Um, in our space, a lot of demand for not only the Central Coast, Newcastle, we can feel the, obviously, people are being probably pushed out of Sydney to, to buy, you know, property or to, to buy residential real estate as an investment or as, a, as an owner ox sense. Um, but there is a lot of opportunity on the Central Coast at the moment, especially um, now we get better connectivity, uh, you know, we're, we're running direct within probably what, what's it take to the central coast now from Sydney? Well, it's now an hour. And I think that's all part of that growth corridor, like mm. that whole, that whole region. If we can lift the whole region all together, mm. it just makes, it makes sense. It makes sense. There's a, you know, there is a, um, there's definitely a migration out of uh, Sydney to the central coast for a lot of people, particularly mm. for people for, from an affordability perspective. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely, definitely supports that growth plan for the for New South Wales. Mm. Now, to swing us back to your developments in Sydney, um, not in particular any development, but obviously you have a foot and uh, in the market yourself as in, you know, your, your eyes on the ground, you're, you're looking to acquire more sites all the time. You're looking at, you know, what the projects are worth and what they're selling for. And coming out of the back of the, the first lockdown, did you find it, did, what did you feel like the market was going to do to now coming out of this lockdown? Obviously, there was a lot of uncertainty last year. We look back, we didn't really know what was going on. You know, the, you know, in some people's eyes, the world was going to end and we saw a very uncertain phase. Now, coming out of the back of this lockdown, how do you feel the market progressing over the next year, in, especially in that townhouse, new development uh, or, or new real estate sector of the, of the, the wider Sydney market? Yeah, look, I think there's been a lot that's happened in this last year and there's been a lot of things that have um, unraveled themselves over this last year. One of the biggest things with this lockdown, and I think the difference was, was that construction was shut down. 
So that was one of the biggest things. And I think that's definitely uh, something that developers are conscious of moving forward. Mm. Uh, That ability that, you know, a construction pipeline could be shut down so quickly. Um, Now, admittedly, everybody has done their best to get those things back up and running and we are back up and running. Um, You know, we're at 50% capacity on a lot of sites at the moment with a lot of the the trades and, and workers in these lockdown LGAs. So it's, you know, those sorts of things are unforeseen. Um, you know, and I think moving forward into next year, I think just purely because of what's happened, you know, there, I think there is going to be some type of, um, I guess, in the back of your mind thinking about construction costs and escalation and, and allowing for those times of shutdown or allowing for COVID restrictions on site. So I think that's something that you need to be aware of as developers moving forward. Mm you know, what does that look like and how do you forward plan to allow for that? Um, the other flip side of that is materials and supply and construction. You know, are we going to have these materials and supply and construction to be able to continue through and build our pipeline out, build new projects, be able to have those things available and at what cost? So I mm. think there's those types of things that are impacting um, this side of it, which was very different to last time. You know, the other side of it is uh, what's been happening with all the building regulation and reform. So we've now got the building commissioner on board who's basically regulating and reforming the whole development industry um, in a positive way, which really believe uh, to be able to have the good developers rise to the top and to be able to get rid of some of the ones that have been doing not so great work over the time. And I think what that's doing is it's keeping people accountable and giving people confidence to actually buy back into off-the-plan apartments and townhouses and things like that moving forward. Um, The whole idea of buyer confidence and being able to get people back in the market and feeling good again and buying again is all part of that. So there's a lot that's happened in Mm. this last year behind the scenes through lockdown, out of lockdown and, and, and going on. And Ben and I are involved in some of those panel discussions with HIA and UDIA, which are our industry bodies. So, um, you know, and I think it's for the positive. I think at the end of the day, we're still seeing strong inquiry. Mm. Um, been slightly slow with some of the numbers that are being released on a daily basis. People, I think, react in fear. But, you know, the general consensus is that we're still selling. People are still looking. People are still buying. Mm. Uh, and I think we're going to continue to see that next year, particularly as, as property becomes less available. Approvals mm. are low. All those things are low. So property is going to become scarcer and people people are ready to move. So mm. um, I think there's a lot of things that are different this time, for sure. There's one thing that you said there, which is really interesting to coming from probably the, the standard um you know you hear about these people buying uh or the the horror shows or whatever you hear them on your know, current affairs buying off the plan and, and things and they and they think it's all oh, it's always all oh, the developer or the developers they're taking their time and this and this and this so it's, it's very nice to hear someone no developers aren't taking their time yeah they, yeah, they want to hit deadlines as much as as a as a you know person wants to pick up their keys so it's uh, everybody listening listening to a you know a development manager yourself um, developers are pushing hard, yep. obviously during lockdowns and, you know, where uh, capacity on sites and stuff is going to hinder, um, you know, timelines, but where you guys are pushing as hard as you can. I know Victoria at the moment, I believe that on 25% or they're even less than half of New South Wales. So we're pushing ahead. And, and it seems like, um, 
buyer sentiment is still there, especially even, you know, past this. And I've, I've said this on, you know, previous podcasts and I've, I've been pretty, um, uh, it's, it's, I'm pretty passionate about it. I think that the people or the naysayers that uh, are negative towards buyer sentiment or, or not buying or holding off are going to miss out on opportunities not only next year, the year after, the year after that. You know, if, you, if you're sitting in your wings, and tell me if you agree with this, if you're sitting in the wings and saying, I'll wait till the I'll wait till there's a correction phase, I'll wait till the market slows, or I'll wait till prices come back, do you feel like they're going to miss out? I think, I think the opportunity of a lifetime comes around every day. So, I mean, like, but that's my attitude. So, I mean, this, this whole lockdown, I've probably done more feasibilities and looked at more sites in terms of acquisitions than I ever have before. So um, I think there's always opportunity. And I think, um, you know, everybody's always at different stages of their pipelines as developers, as their buyer journey as a, as a retail buyer. So I think, um, I think it's such an individual thing to be able to say, you know, are people missing opportunities? I don't know if they're missing opportunities. I think everybody's in such different circumstances right now. So I think there's definitely opportunities to be had out there. I think there's definitely um, definitely some good buying and, you know, from a development perspective. I also think we're in a, re- you know, we're in a really strong market at the moment for, for sellers as well. Mm, so, mm, yeah. Mm, mm. I agree. Uh, and now... This is a, a a tip for investors. Obviously, we have a lot of property investors listening. Um, from an experienced investor yourself, not only in the business, not only investing, you know, on behalf of the business, getting sites and a few other things and investing in all different walks of life. Have you got any tips for the people who are looking to invest or who have now the capability to invest, the capacity to invest? Um, you know, maybe their first time, maybe their second time. Let's go with the first time. Maybe it's their first time investment. Have you got a tip or a trick to share that, Yeah. you know, so maybe think, might give um, them assistance? Yeah, so I think it, it depends on what you're investing for. Like everybody invests for different things as, as these, you know, your investors would know. Are you investing for cash flow, capital growth, whatever that is? Um, I, I like to go with the ultimate and go for both. The best way to do that is to... Um, buy a property that you can add value to. Whenever you're adding value, you're always going to get the capital growth, but you're also going to get that forced depreciation. So mm. I, I always think adding value has always been my strategy and that's always worked with everything we've done. Mm. So even if it's been, you know, a small apartment that we've, you know, we've bought and we've added value to and we've flipped it or we've kept it and drawn the equity down in it, whatever it is, um, I always think if you go with the approach of adding value when you're looking at an investment, it's very hard to go backwards and you're always going to get some type of um, financial gain on that, whether it's an immediate gain or whether it's a longer term gain, depending on what your, your strategy is. Um, the, other, the other thing I would say at the moment, which is a really interesting space, and I, I actually ran into um, a couple of younger guys that had been to one of our, um, our property events a long time ago in New Zealand and had seen Ben speak. And he approached me in the car park and he said, oh, I just wanted to come over and, and say hi. And I'm a, I'm a massive fan. And I was like, oh, okay. And so we started talking about what he was doing. He said, oh, I'm out. And I'm just, you know, looking at property at the moment. I said, oh, that's awesome. He was like in his late 20s. Um, and I was really excited. And then I actually um, was talking to him about some things and I actually shared this strategy with him. I said, look, one of the interesting thing that's, things that have just happened in Sydney is a lot of the um, uh, uh, local government areas have released the ability to be able to do compliant developments for dual occupancies, 
combined developments called manor homes, which is basically a, a four pack, the old four pack, so two up, two down. Um, you know, the ability to be able to do multiple dwellings on one piece of land, but without the um, without the effort or uh, I guess longevity of having to do a DA um, or the costs of having to do and lodge a full development application. So you can do these under complying development um, or a CDC, which is a very quick and easy way. Um, sometimes within a few weeks, you can have these approved to be able to do multi-dwellings uh, on pieces of land now. So that's a real strategy that I think if you were an investor and you had some cash and you had the ability to, without a lot of development knowledge, you could navigate that and do, um, you know, turn one into two or one into four. You know, and, and that to me is adding value. Is it, you're either adding value through um, development, i.e. adding more dwellings or through, you know, renovation. So those are two really great ways to add value. Um, and so those would be my two top things in terms of what you could do from an investment strategy at the moment. Okay. And, and you touched on then that. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. I think that is a, those two uh, are definite strategies out there for, for investors to look at. Um, would you say you have to be pretty cash heavy or maybe sophisticated in a way of cash management to, to, because it's, it's a sort of a mini development. You've got to be pretty cash savvy. Yep. It's definitely not a, a passive investment, put it that way. I mean, this is these are the types of investments that, you you know, you're going to be wanting to not just park your money and go, you know, park it and get a return. Mm. You know, this is for somebody who wants to be a little bit more aggressive with, you know, or hands-on. Hands-on, yeah, sure. Hands-on with your investment. Um, and again, being hands-on with the investment is where you're going to see that level of growth. So, mm. you know, you might have these these guys that are hungry and they're out there and they're looking and they want to put some time and energy into it and they want to be able to get those those add value returns. Mm. No, um, okay. ways, you know, the return on investment can be, you know, in the in the over 50 to 70% returns in a lot of these projects just by adding multiple dwellings. So I would say that you definitely probably have to have some cash behind you to do that. It might not be your first investment, um, but it's definitely a strategy. Yep. Especially probably one that um, uh, maybe a lot, maybe look over or or don't even realize that that that's the the potentials there. Absolutely. Now you mentioned that Ben was in New Zealand. He is a uh, a, a very well-renowned international, I, I can say now, <laughs> property expert and motivational and speaker. He, he's he's amazing at what he does. Obviously, him not being here, I would love to have asked him a few questions. But um, for the guests, what does Ben uh, what does Ben do at his seminars, and what what's he what's he talking about? What's his audience, and and where does his expertise lie? Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, Ben's been, I guess, uh, uh, a bit of a development mentor for people over the the course of the last 10 years um, and and really just sharing his knowledge. So when he was in New Zealand, um, he was doing a lot of events with the team over there talking about cash flow positive property um, in New Zealand. Um, We we have a few properties in New Zealand which are cash flow positive, you know, where you're buying in smaller regional towns. You're adding a little bit of value to it and you're putting tenants in and collecting the rent. Those types of things were quite popular over there. There's been mm. some obviously changes and things in New Zealand recently. Uh, so he was really involved in um, property workshops, so two and three day property workshops, taking everybody from start all the way through to completion of a, of a property journey and the things that you need. So teaching him people how to build your team, 
you know, having the right um, accountants, solicitors, you know, architects, town planners, all those different people that you want on your team in order to be able to do developments and do property. So mm. most of the stuff that he taught was these types of basic development skills for people to be able to get up and running and do these types of projects that we spoke about. Um, you know, definitely some of the cash flow positive stuff, but more around building out your team and how to do developments. Uh, and so he worked with a, um, a guy over in New Zealand, David Leong. So he's got a company over there called Wealth Mentor. Uh, and yeah, they've worked together for many, many years teaching people all over Australia and New Zealand property. It's amazing. And I've, I've had the um, pleasure of meeting Ben myself and, and he's a very inspirational individual. Anybody listening, have a look at Ben and Marie's story as well online. <laughs> but a question for you, Marie, and about you Obviously, you are a, an exceptional award-winning, uh, to say the least, female in the industry. Um, have you got any tips and tricks, uh, very similar to our investor question, but for young females aspiring to get into the property industry, whether or not that be in development, you know, in sales yeah. or leasing or managing or valuations or young females in the industry at the moment to really make their mark? Yeah, look, I would say... Exactly that. Find your niche. Find what it is that you want to do and really hone in on that. Um, I'm a big believer in having mentors as well, uh, finding a mentor or somebody that can help you through that journey of what you're doing and also education and upskilling. Like just immerse yourself in what it is. If you want to be in design, immerse yourself in design. If you want to be a town planner, immerse yourself in sales, marketing, whatever that is, become the best at what you're niche is undeniable yeah and i think that's that's key because i think development and property in general can be overwhelming because there's so many different facets to it um and there's different elements that you need to understand and learn that's taken me you know the good part of 14 years to learn all the different parts that i now know um and and lead my team with but, you know, I think starting out, I would say pick one thing and just just become the master of that, like really learn it inside out and get so good at it that that's your niche. Mm. Um, you know, I think it's that shotgun approach, you know, you just sort of you don't want to be shotgunning everything and just, you know, ending up not great at anything. So I would say do that and, and look to mentors, look to people that, you know, can really direct you and help you on your path of, of, of where you're at. I think that um, I think that's a big one as you as you grow older. Uh, there's a I think there's an age bracket where you look at mentors. Uh, you know, you always get fed mentors at school or from a very young age. There's always public speakers and people who come out and talk to you. You don't really take in uh, take it all in until maybe you're in your early twenties, and then you start to realize, oh my goodness, like they've not only done what I'm doing before me, but you, I think you gain an appreciation for how good people are. Yes. And so I can imagine all the, you know, the, you know, your, um, your kids listening to speakers now, or, you know, even yourself or Ben listening to speakers, uh, the different, when you take it in differently, like, yeah. I know I wish I could personally go back in and talk to mentors that I had in the past uh, that I, that I wish I could reach out to again and just say, give me it all again. Like, I want to hear yeah. it all again now. Cause I have a really good appreciation <laughs> and understanding, like even talking to you right now, you know, you, yeah. you get, you get to take it all in. Yeah. Um, but yes, I agree. Mentors, uh, and, and listening to people who have done it before, like it's, you know, history repeats itself. So if you, you, okay. you can get a really good, you can forge a really good, uh, understanding and, and make your mark by just listening to people that are being in the industry. Now, two questions to finish it off, Marie, I won't take any more of your time. 
But we always ask, uh, and Dom, you know, the listeners out there, you're listening to a different voice today. Um, usually you have the beautiful Dom Neshi in front of you, but you've got, you have to put up with me for your half an hour. Nonetheless, what uh, what is your 1% wealth hack that you've done in this, not only lockdown, but something that you can change, the 1% that you can change on your daily basis. It might be very personal to you. Um, it might be something that you've read or, or you've learned over the past, say this lockdown, last lockdown, even in during your life. But is there a 1% that you do every day that you feel like you can, you know, that makes a difference? Yeah, I, look, I would say that, it, and it's not just been this lockdown. I think it's, it's a bit of a theme for my life that wealth is health. So, you know, I, I think it really, and that's in overall health, like taking care of yourself physically, mentally, um, really making sure that you're served first. Like if you're not looking after this, none of that even matters. You know, why are you going to go after your goals? Why are you going to go after your dreams? Why are you going to, you know, bother building wealth? Nobody wants to be completely wealthy and unhealthy. You know, what, what's the point of that? Um, and Ben and I are massive believers in that. So we're all about, you know, having a, a, a wellness aspect to our life, whatever that looks like, whether that's moving our bodies every day, whether that's eating well, whether that's, you know, mentally filling our cup with podcasts or, you know, people that inspire us. I think that's, I think that's critical. I think, you know, none of the other stuff matters unless you have that taken care of. And then it's a flow on effect because, when you're taking care of and your health is in check, you you attract opportunities. You attract that wealth into your life. You attract the good things into your life. Um, so I would say that's probably that's probably my life hack. There you go. And, <laughs> and and you're a very positive person as well, Marie. I know that you've always got a smile on your face. Um, and you're not only influencing the people around you, your family, your friends, people in the industry. Um, I'm very proud to call you, I'd say, my friend. And a, and a lovely lady I've I've grown to know. So Marie, thank you so much for your time today. You. Any anyone listening who wants to reach out to Ben and Marie or the Fiducia team about any property uh, question, topic, or if they want to talk to you about uh, your sales, your upcoming projects, what you've done, past. I know Marie is always an open book, and, and they're always taking on people and, and you know and listening and talking. So please do finish your property. An amazing group, Marie, uh, an amazing person. Thank you for all your time today, and I will. Uh, I won't. Or oh, Dom and I will. Uh, we'll see you next week. Fantastic.